Book Three, Part Three of On the Nature of Things by Titus Lucretius Carus. Translated by William Ellery Leonard. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Daniel Vermont. Book Three, Part Three The Soul is Mortal. Now come that thou mayest able be to know that minds and the light souls of all that live have mortal birth and death i will go on verses to build meet for thy rule of life sought after long discovered with sweet toil but under one name i'd have thee yoke them both and when, for instance, I shall speak of soul, teaching the same to be but mortal, think thereby I'm speaking also of the mind, since both are one, a substance interjoined. First, then, since I have taught how soul exists, a subtle fabric of particles minute, made up from atoms smaller much than those of water's liquid damp or fog or smoke so in mobility it far excels more prone to move though struck by lighter cause even moved by images of smoke or fog as where we view when in our sleeps we're lulled the altars exhaling steam and smoke aloft for beyond doubt these apparitions come to us from outward now then since thou seest their liquids depart their waters flow away when jars are shivered and since fog and smoke depart into the winds away believe the soul no less is shed abroad and dies more quickly far more quickly is dissolved back to its primal bodies when withdrawn from out man's members it has gone away for sure if body container of the same like as a jar when shivered from some cause and rarefied by loss of blood from veins cannot for longer hold the soul how then thinkst thou it can be held by any air a stuff much rarer than our bodies be besides we feel that mind to being comes along with body with body grows and ages for just as children totter round about with frames infirm and tender so there follows a weakling wisdom in their minds and then where years have ripened into robust powers counsel is also greater more increased the power of mind thereafter where already the body's shattered by master powers of eld and fallen the frame with its enfeebled powers thought hobbles tongue wanders and the mind gives way all fails all's lacking at the self-same time therefore it suits that even the souls dissolved like smoke into the lofty winds of air 
since we behold the same to being come along with body and grow and as i've taught crumble and crack therewith outworn by eld then too we see that just as body takes monstrous diseases and the dreadful pain so mind its bitter cares the grief the fear wherefore it tallies that the mind no less partaker is of death for pain and disease are both artificers of death as well we've learned by the passing of many a man ere now nay too in diseases of body often the mind wanders afield for tis beside itself and crazed it speaks or many a time it sinks with eyelids closing and a drooping nod in heavy drowse on to eternal sleep from whence nor hears it any voices more nor able is to know the faces here of those about him standing with wet cheeks who vainly call him back to light and life wherefore mind too confess we must dissolves seeing indeed contagions of disease enter into the same again oh why when the strong wine has entered into man and its diffused fire gone round the veins why follows then a heaviness of limbs a tangle of the legs as round he reels a stuttering tongue an intellect besoaked eyes all aswim and hiccups shouts and brawls and whatso else is of that ilk why this if not that violent and impetuous wine is wont to confound the soul within the body but whatso can confounded be and balked gives proof that if a hardier cause got in twould hap that it would perish then bereaved of any life thereafter and moreover often will some one in a sudden fit as if by stroke of lightning tumble down before our eyes and sputter foam and grunt blither and twist about with sinews taut gasp up in starts and weary out his limbs with tossing round no marvel since distract through frame by violence of disease confounds he foams as if to vomit soul as on the salt sea boil the billows round under the master might of winds and now a groan's forced out because his limbs are griped but in the main because the seeds of voice are driven forth and carried in a mass outwards by mouth where they are wont to go and have a builded highway he becomes mere fool since energy of mind and soul confounded is and as i've shown too riven asunder thrown and torn to pieces all by the same venom but again where cause of that disease is faced about and back retreats sharp poison of corrupted frame into its shadowy lairs the man at first arises reeling and gradually comes back to all his senses and recovers soul thus since within the body itself of man the mind and soul 
are by such great diseases shaken so miserably in labor distraught why then believe that in the open air without a body they can pass their life immortal battling with the master winds and since we mark the mind itself is cured like the sick body and restored can be by medicine this is forewarning too that mortal lives the mind for proper it is that whosoe'er begins and undertakes to alter the mind or meditates to change any another nature soever should add new parts or readjust the order given or from the sum remove at least a bit but what's immortal willeth for itself its parts be nor increased nor rearranged nor any bit soever flow away for change of anything from out its bounds means instant death of that which was before ergo the mind whether in sickness fallen or by the medicine restored gives signs as i have taught of its mortality so surely will a fact of truth make head gainst error's theories all and so shut off all refuge from the adversary and rout error by two-edged confutation and since the mind is of a man one part which in one fixed place remains like ears and eyes and every sense which pilots life and just as hand or eye or nose apart severed from us can neither feel nor be but in the least of time is left to rot thus mind alone can never be without the body and the man himself which seems as twere the vessel of the same or aught whate'er thou'lt fain is yet more closely joined since body cleaves to mind by surest bonds again the body's and the mind's live powers only in union prosper and enjoy for neither can nature of mind alone of self sans body give the vital motions forth nor then can body wanting soul endure and use the senses verily as the eye alone uprended from its roots apart from all the body can peer about at naught so soul and mind it seems are nothing able when by themselves no marvel because commixed through veins and inwards and through bones and thews their elements primordial are confined by all the body and own no power free to bound around through interspaces big thus shut within these confines they take on motions of sense which after death thrown out beyond the body to the winds of air take on they cannot and on this account because no more in such a way confined for air will be a body be alive if in that air the soul can keep itself and in that air enclose those motions all which in the thews and in the body itself a while ago twas making so for this again again i say confess we must 
that when the body's wrappings are unwound and when the vital breath is forced without the soul the senses of the mind dissolve since for the twain the cause and ground of life is in the fact of their conjoined estate once more since bodies unable to sustain division from the soul without decay and obscene stench how canst thou doubt but that the soul uprisen from the body's deeps has filtered away wide drifted like a smoke or that the changed body crumbling fell with ruin so entire because indeed its deep foundations have been moved from place the soul outfiltering even through the frame and through the body's every winding way and orifice and so by many means thou art free to learn that nature of the soul hath passed in fragments out along the frame and that twas shivered in the very body ere ever it slipped abroad and swam away into the winds of air for never a man dying appears to feel the soul go forth as one sure whole from all his body at once nor first come up the throat and into mouth but feels it failing in a certain spot even as he knows the senses too dissolve each in its own location in the frame but were this mind of ours immortal mind dying twould scarce bewail a dissolution but rather the going the leaving of its coat like to a snake wherefore when once the body hath passed away admit we must that soul shivered in all that body perished too nay even when moving in the bounds of life often the soul now tottering from some cause craves to go out and from the frame entire loosened to be the countenance becomes flaccid as if the supreme hour were there and flabbily collapse the members all against the bloodless trunk the kind of case we see when we remark in common phrase that man's quite gone or fainted dead away and where there's now a bustle of alarm and all are eager to get some hold upon the man's last link of life for then the mind and all the power of soul are shook so sore and these so totter along with all the frame that any cause a little stronger might dissolve them all together why then doubt that soul when once without the body thrust there in the open an enfeebled thing its wrappings stripped away cannot endure not only through no everlasting age but even indeed through not the least of time then too why never is the intellect the counselling mind begotten in the head the feet the hands instead of cleaving still to one sole seat to one fixed haunt the breast if not that fixed places be assigned for each thing's birth where each when tis create is able to endure 
and that our frames have such complex adjustments that no shift in order of our members may appear to that degree effect succeeds to cause nor is the flame once wont to be create in flowing streams nor cold begot in fire besides if nature of soul immortal be and able to feel when from our frame disjoined the same i fancy must be thought to be endowed with senses five nor is there way but this whereby to image to ourselves how undersouls may roam in acheron thus painters and the elder race of bards have pictured souls with senses so endowed but neither eyes nor nose nor hand alone apart from body can exist for soul nor tongue nor ears apart and hence indeed alone by self they can nor feel nor be and since we mark the vital sense to be in the whole body all one living thing if of a sudden a force with rapid stroke should slice it down the middle and cleave in twain beyond a doubt likewise the soul itself divided dissevered asunder will be flung along with body but what severed is and into sundry parts divides indeed admits it owns no everlasting nature we hear how chariots of war a reek with hurly slaughter lop with flashing scythes the limbs away so suddenly that there fallen from the trunk they quiver on the earth the while the mind and powers of the man can feel no pain for swiftness of his hurt and sheer abandon in the zest of battle with the remainder of his frame he seeks anew the battle and the slaughter nor marks how the swift wheels and scythes of raven have dragged off with the horses his left arm and shield nor other how his right has dropped away mounting again and on a third attempts with leg dismembered to arise and stand whilst on the ground hard by the dying foot twitches its spreading toes and even the head when from the warm and living trunk lopped off keeps on the ground the vital countenance and open eyes until tas rendered up all remnants of the soul nay once again if when a serpent's darting forth its tongue and lashing its tail thou gettest chance to hew with axe its length of trunk to many parts thou'lt see each severed fragment writhing round with its fresh wound and spattering up the sod and there the forepart seeking with the jaws after the hinder with bite to stop the pain so shall we say that these be souls entire in all those fractions but from that twould follow one creature'd have in body many souls therefore the soul which was indeed but one has been divided with the body too each is but mortal since alike is each hewn into many parts again how often we view our fellow 
going by degrees and losing limb by limb the vital sense first nails and fingers of the feet turn blue next die the feet and legs then o'er the rest slow crawl the certain footsteps of cold death and since this nature of the soul is torn nor mounts away as at one time entire we needs must hold it mortal but perchance if thou supposest that the soul itself can inward draw along the frame and bring its parts together to one place and so from all the members draw the sense away why then that place in which such stock of soul collected is should greater seem in sense but since such place is nowhere for a fact as said before tis rent and scattered forth and so goes under or again if now i please to grant the false and say that soul can thus be lumped within the frames of those who leave the sunshine dying bit by bit still must the soul as mortal be confessed nor aught it matters whether to rack it go dispersed in the winds or gathered in a mass from all its parts sink down to brutish death since more and more in every region sense fails the whole man and less and less of life in every region lingers and besides if soul immortal is and winds its way into the body at the birth of man why can we not remember something then of lifetime spent before why keep we not some footprints of the things we did of old but if so changed hath been the power of mind that every recollection of things done is fallen away at no or long remove is that i trow from what we mean by death wherefore tis sure that what hath been before hath died and what now is is now create moreover if after the body hath been built our mind's live powers are wont to be put in just at the moment that we come to birth and cross the sills of life twould scarcely fit for them to live as if they seemed to grow along with limbs and frame even in the blood but rather as in a cavern all alone yet all the body duly throngs with sense but public fact declares against all this for soul is so entwined through the veins the flesh the thews the bones that even the teeth share in sensation as proven by dull ache by twinge from icy water or grating crunch upon a stone that got in mouth with bread wherefore again again souls must be thought nor void of birth nor free from law of death nor if from outward in they wound their way could they be thought as able so to cleave to these our frames nor since so interwove appears it that they're able to go forth unhurt and whole and loose themselves unscathed from all the thews articulations bones but if perchance thou thinkest 
that the soul from outward winding in its way is wont to seep and soak along these members ours then all the more twill perish being thus with body fused for what will seep and soak will be dissolved and will therefore die for just as food dispersed through all the pores of body and passed through limbs and all the frame perishes supplying from itself the stuff for other nature thus the soul and mind though whole and new into a body going are yet by seeping in dissolved away whilst as through pores to all the frame there pass those particles from which created is this nature of mind now ruler of our body born from that soul which perished when divided along the frame wherefore it seems that soul hath both a natal and funeral hour besides are seeds of soul there left behind in the breathless body or not if there they are it cannot justly be immortal deemed since shorn of some parts lost it has gone away but if borne off with members uncorrupt it has fled so absolutely all away it leaves not one remainder of itself behind in body whence do cadavers then from out their putrid flesh exhale the worms and whence does such a mass of living things boneless and bloodless o'er the bloated frame bubble and swarm but if perchance thou thinkest that souls from outward in to worms can wind and each into a separate body come and reckonest not why many thousand souls collect where only one has gone away here is a point in sooth that seems to need inquiry and a putting to the test whether the souls go on a hunt for seeds of worms wherewith to build their dwelling-places or enter bodies ready-made as twere but why themselves they thus should do and toil tis hard to say since being free of body they flit around harassed by no disease nor cold nor famine for the body labours by more of kinship to these flaws of life and mind by contact with that body suffers so many ills but grant it be for them however useful to construct a body to which to enter in tis plain they can't then souls for self no frames nor bodies make nor is there how they once might enter in to bodies ready-made for they cannot be nicely interwoven with the same and there'll be formed no interplay of sense common to each again why is it there goes impetuous rage with lions breed morose and cunning with foxes and to deer why given the ancestral fear and tendency to flee and why in short do all the rest of traits engender from the very start of life in the members and mentality if not because one certain power of mind that came from its own seed and breed waxes the same along with all the body but were mind immortal 
were it wont to change its bodies, how topsy-turvy would earth's creatures act! The herkin hound would flee the onset oft of antlered stag, the scurrying hawk would quake along the winds of air at the coming dove, and men would doubt, and savage beasts be wise. For false the reasoning of those that say immortal mind is changed by change of body. For what is changed dissolves, and therefore dies. For parts are redisposed and leave their order. Wherefore they must be also capable of dissolution through the frame at last, that they, along with body, perish all. But should some say that always souls of men go into human bodies, I will ask, how can a wise become a dullard soul? And why is never a child's a prudent soul? And the mare's filly, why not trained so well as sturdy strength of steed? We may be sure they'll take their refuge in the thought that mind becomes a weakling in a weakling frame. Yet, be this so, tis needful to confess the soul but mortal, since, so altered now throughout the frame, it loses the life and sense it had before. Or, how can mind wax strong, co-equally with body, and attain the craved flower of life, unless it be the body's colleague in its origins? Or what's the purport of its going forth from aged limbs, Fears it, perhaps, to stay, pent in a crumbled body? Or, lest its house, outworn by venerable length of days, may topple down upon it? But indeed, for an immortal, perils are there none. Again, at parturitions of the wild, and at the rites of love, that souls should stand ready hard by, seems ludicrous enough. Immortals, waiting for their mortal limbs in numbers innumerable, contending madly which shall be first and chief to enter in, unless perchance among the souls there be such treaties established that the first to come flying along shall enter in the first, and that they make no rivalries of strength. Again, in ether can't exist a tree, nor clouds in ocean deeps, nor in the fields can fishes live, nor blood in timber be, nor sap in boulders. Fixed and arranged, where everything may grow and have its place. Thus, nature of mind cannot arise alone without the body, nor exist afar from thews and blood. But if twere possible, much rather might this very power of mind be in the head, the shoulders, or the heels, and born in any part soever, yet in the same man, in the same vessel abide. But since within this body, even of ours, stands fixed and appears arranged sure, where soul and mind can each exist and grow, deny we must the more that they can have duration and birth wholly outside the frame. For verily, the mortal, to conjoin with the eternal, and to feign they feel together, and can function each with each, 
is but to dote for what can be conceived of more unlike discrepant ill-assorted than something mortal in a union joined with an immortal and a secular to bear the outrageous tempests then again whatever abides eternal must indeed either repel all strokes because tis made of solid body and permit no entrance of aught with power to sunder from within the parts compact as are those seeds of stuff whose nature we've exhibited before or else be able to endure through time for this because they are from blows exempt as is the void the which abides untouched unsmit by any stroke or else because there is no room around where two things can as twere depart in dissolution all even as the sum of sums eternal is without or place beyond where two things may asunder fly or bodies which can smite and thus dissolve them by the blows of might but if perchance the souls to be adjudged immortal mainly on ground tis kept secure in vital forces either because there come never at all things hostile to its will or else because what come somehow retire repelled or ere we feel the harm they work for lo besides that when the frames diseased soul sickens too there cometh many a time that which torments it with the things to be keeps it in dread and wearies it with cares and even when evil acts are of the past still gnaw the old transgressions bitterly add to that frenzy peculiar to the mind and that oblivion of the things that were add its submergence in the murky waves of drowse and torpor end of book three part three recording by daniel vermont osaka japan